From Amea Media, this is Karama Sutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Vanita Pardwaj, and this episode is brought to you from my home, where just like hundreds of millions of people, we're practicing social distancing. To all our listeners, old and new, I hope you're all keeping well and staying safe. Now, for every episode we've produced so far, we have consciously worked to ensure that karama, which means dignity in Arabic, is at the heart of each story. This episode brings that purpose to the forefront, unlike any other we've worked on so far. We start in India. A couple of months ago, we came across a piece called Kuvalapuram's Curious Guest House. Authored by journalist Kavita Murlidharan, the piece was devastating in its description of how menstruating women continue to be isolated in guest houses in Kuvalapuram and four other villages of Madurai district in southern India. The segregation is unchallenged as residents submit to the will of the gods and the wider community. The guest house is a euphemism for a space reserved for women on their period who are considered to be polluted by the community. It's referred to as a guest house in front of children and visitors unfamiliar with the practice. What compounds this tragedy even further is the fact that the guest house has no toilets for the women. Menstruating women stay for up to five days, while girls attaining puberty are left there for a whole month, and so are women with their newborns after giving birth. Culturally, this is not uncommon in India. This is a kind of a wisdom that is passed. This is a kind of, you know, an unspeakable rule that you somehow tend to know. Girls are made to feel that they are outsiders, they are untouchable. Um, and this has a very, de- de- you know, detrimental effect on the self-confidence. And in it, it trickles down to a girl's self-esteem, which is reflected in her studies, her uh, overall personality. That's Aditi Gupta. She and her husband, Tuhin Paul, co-founded Menstrupedia, described as a friendly guide to healthy periods. They've brought out age-appropriate literature in the form of child-friendly comic books that have been translated into several languages. The resources also cover training materials for teachers who are often saddled with the weight of pure biological terms and books to introduce girls to possibly the most important change in their lives. Aditi and Tuhin are based out of Ahmedabad in India. And as soon as we connected with them, we dispatched Chirag to meet them in their office. Well, hello. Um, I like the sound of that. Dispatched. Um, so Ahmedabad is a city in the western state of Gujarat in India with a population of about 8 million people. Uh, and now I went down to the Menstrupedia offices. It's quite a busy zone. You know, there's a lot of hustle bustle in the street and honking. I, I did remember wondering how insulated their offices were uh, considering all the street noise. They've got a nice little community space set up on the third floor of this building. Um, you know, you hear a little buzz of conversation and you can see on all the screens different comic strips and social media posts being designed. I was actually given a pretty tight window of 60 minutes before Aditi and Tuhin's toddler woke up from his afternoon siesta in the conference room in the back. Now, I have to say that I'm quite intrigued that a husband and wife teamed up to create a project called Menstrupedia. So you're going to have to tell us how it all started. So it actually goes back to when they were in college together uh, at the NID Institute in Ahmedabad. I started seeing this pattern, you know, that every month there would be these few days where she would say that I'm not feeling like working today, so can you just complete that work without me? And so I would, like, being a boyfriend, and uh, I would be genuinely concerned. Like, what is it? Can I help it? Or, you know, so then she would be like, okay, this is, you know, I'm on my periods. It surprises me now that... 
25 year old me did not realize that this would be the most obvious reason you know because uh, so we are just two brothers at my home and uh, we live in a nuclear family my mother never let me or my even my brother get ever a hint that in once in a month she goes through this and uh, you know because of that she might be not feeling well she would like take care of all the household duties without complaining ever and the only time that i came across menstruation like not even periods menstruation is in the biology book right and uh, so i just know that okay there's some bleeding happens and uh, well it's not that important of a topic for exams now this is somewhat symptomatic of the education curriculum in a lot of countries including india and definitely what we studied under the central indian systems in the uae as well you know we just had a couple of paragraphs in textbook in the 8th and 9th grade and i still remember our biology teacher generally a very active participant in the classroom not even lift his eyes of the paper as he just read them out verbatim and then moved on to the next chapter the textbooks have done a really good job at <laughs> continuing making uh, you know boys uh, stay away and be disinterested from this topic yeah. so they completely succeeded in my case so then i kind of refreshed my knowledge about menstruation and biology book and i'm like oh okay bleeding okay how much does it bleed and she said that it bleeds a lot and uh, and it's supposed to be a healthy process right so like isn't that an irony like as a i mean you would uh, agree that as a guy you would think that healthy means you should not be feeling any discomfort right so this completely came as a shock i mean it's not entirely unsurprising that in a country like india for example boys are not introduced or educated or talked to about menstruation but i think what is shocking from the sounds of it is that it's no better for girls either that's right and in fact realizing that she didn't know this is what made aditi look at period education and awareness very closely at least to he knew this word called menstruation i did not know that periods are called menstruation actually we had a lot of other terms to call periods so that we can hide it and this is how i grew up what i am today and what what i've become has to do a lot with how much my parents cared about me and specifically how much educated they were and felt the need of educating me in the right way but when it came to access of sanitary napkin we did not have access not because we couldn't afford it we were a well to do family we could have totally afforded but the sanitary napkin that the one shop that would sell sanitary napkin was this medical store and the medical store or in all the store front would be a guy and if you live on a in a small town uh, if you are from from a small town you would know that everybody knows everybody so everybody is your uncle auntie chacha whatever and then um, the question is who would go buy menstruation you know this menstrual pads uh, so we used to use rags now again usage of uh, cloth is not a problem the problem is how we see menstruation and how we see the cloth which is soaked in menstrual blood every month so we would wash it and reuse it again but to store it we would hide it in a dark place so that nobody knows that we are menstruating and let me tell you that my father and my brothers were very close to me and very supportive uh, but somehow you know nobody told me what menstruation is why do we get periods what happens inside the body but somehow while growing up i just knew that we don't have to talk about it like good girls don't talk about periods Th- those girls who talk about periods are the bad girls these are also the girls who talk about bra who started wearing bra early, you know even drying up like we would hide it and dry it i used to get a lot of infection um by using these cloth pads and this is not just my story this is a story of you know 
millions of girls in India. Only about, you know, uh, many studies claim that it is only 12% of the girls who are using sanitary napkin. Many studies uh, uh, claim that it is only 50% um, of the women using sanitary napkins and uh, other other unhygienic product. So, and, and this was some, you know, like when I was growing up, when I was 12, uh, things have not changed much. Uh, at least for me, I did not have to stop my education, but having a period means that 23 million girls have to stop their education. After that, they don't go to the schools um, just because of this natural biological process. So the impurity aspect is a recurring theme which is brought up to validate the archaic traditions of isolating women. These can range from places of worship denying entry to women on their period to families restricting the movement of menstruating women around the house. Among urban families in India, these taboos, it seems, are disappearing, as we discovered from our conversation with Gomati Sitaraman and her daughter Vandana. They both live in Dubai, and we really wanted to bring them in to have an open and honest conversation about how attitudes have changed from one generation to the next. Actually, there was no hiding where we were concerned, because through my childhood, it was very clear that when I had my periods, I had to sit separately. And, you know, if you've lived in Maharashtra and in Bombay, Pune, you know, the rooms are very small. So we stayed in a very small room. You know, we just had two rooms. One was the kitchen and the hall come bedroom and everything. So I would sit in a corner and I would have chairs around me so that nobody could touch me. But I never thought about it so much as I was growing up because me, my cousins, we've all gone through it. But the only thing is I wanted to ensure I wouldn't do that to my children. But it's interesting that you didn't find it odd growing no, up. No, I didn't. And yet... You were determined not to impose that on See, your See, it wasn't a very children. nice thing, okay? See, I had fun three days because I didn't have to work. Okay, let's be very honest. I particularly didn't take it very seriously, I think. But then later on, when you got married, you know, you can't enter the kitchen. You know, it, it was the same in my in-law's house. I couldn't enter the kitchen and I had to sit separately. Even when guests come, you know, I'm sitting separately, then it starts feeling a little odd. But again, I'm not singled out. Even the daughters or the daughter-in-laws, they all do it. So, you know, when everybody does it, it doesn't seem very odd. But then we moved out to Dubai. And after a point of time, I think very few people actually, you know, do this of, you know, segregating or, you know, keeping people separate. Did you ever ask your mum why it was enforced? Actually, you know, my dad, he's, a, he's, he's an extremely deeply religious man. He does have answers to many things. He doesn't have answers to many things. And this is one of the few things, unfortunately, he doesn't have an answer to. But since I can see him believing it, there are certain things I don't touch. You know, it's like touching a live wire, you know, and, you know, having an unnecessary argument. You know, when things are all okay, there are certain things you just accept and move on. And this is one of the things in my case. I don't have that problem. I've asked him plenty of times. We've got into an argument plenty of times. And it's not just with my grandfather, even with my father. He's also extremely religious, not but he doesn't go into those beliefs, you know, where you sit in a separate corner in our house. Practically, of course, it's impossible. But I get into these arguments and you know, they don't have an answer. You know, but I was interested. Like, I used to speak to my grandmom about it. My grandmom actually was a lot more logical, I felt. She said, you know, in those days, it was basically more because women would hardly get any rest. So they were given three days of compulsory rest. And in what I've given, been given to understand is unless until there was some religious uh, you know, understanding around it, people would not follow it. So to give it a kind of compulsion, so they would say it's a religious understanding that you have to be 
away for three days is what I think. I you think know, the argument that is being made is that if it was re- truly in favor of women, women should have had a choice because we were not all built the same, even as women, right? I mean, we're all, some of us might have extraordinary amounts of energy and may not choose to rest. It, it's just, I think, the removal of that element of choice that is... is in those days, women hardly had a choice. You know, let's be very honest. They never had a choice in, in anything, a lot of things. Right. Okay, so I guess this was their way of saying you compulsively get three days rest. Again, not a choice, but they never had a choice, so it never mattered. Now, yes, as you say, we do have a choice. I go running even when I have my periods. I swim, you know. I, none of my activities... I actually believe that, you know, it started off as an aspect of rest and eventually religious connotations. And we live in a patriarchal society. There are certain things, you know, that are taken into account in those cases that has that has eventually convulted the whole idea and has become what it is today. It comes to a point where you no longer realize why you do it, but you do it because it's been done through the years. Specifically speaking, what is it that is not permitted when a woman is menstruating? I can pray, but I can't go near the altar. Okay. I still don't, even though I'm here. For me, it's so ingrained in me that I genuinely cannot. Uh, back home, I don't cook, but here, absolutely. I mean, I do everything else except going to the altar. Right. It's not forced on me. That's my choice that I don't go to the altar. Apart from that, and I pretty much do everything. In a traditional, for example, in your parents' home, what would not be permitted? Is it just not going into the kitchen and not going... No, ki- no kitchen, no cooking. Right. You actually don't move out of that space because no, you... I use move. They tell you to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, no, that is different. You know, if there's something going on, they, they say, you know, okay, this time to this time, figure out your own way. But generally, like, when I go, I remember the first time. First day, I was extremely happy. Second day, I was annoyed because, you know, you have this little space. You don't move out because, you know, you, you can't touch any of the other clothes because otherwise it would have to be washed. You... You don't touch the food. I'm a person who likes to serve my own food, but you can't touch it. So having someone serve my food would really annoy me. But also it must have been even more different because I've heard, and I don't know if these are true stories, where they weren't even allowed to occupy the same house as... No, no, nothing like that. Right, okay. My like mom would very much sleep there and eat there and my grandmom would cook for her. I did exactly what my mom did. Right. Actually, my grandparents' house, when my friends, they st- when they still come over... My grandparents are very clear. If any of you have your periods, sit there. And they actually do. I mean, my friends follow because, you know, they've, they've known my grandparents for like seven years now. So, you know, it's sometimes I just don't like to, you know, it's my parents are 80 and 80. I mean, my mom is 74. My dad is 84. For the past few years, you know, when I talk to them and I've been having arguments with them, I realized, you know, at the age of 75, do I really want to sit and change them and, you know, break my head and upset them over something like this, which I've been doing for seven, you know, so many years I've been doing it without creating a fuss. Do I really want to create a fuss about this? No. So I don't bother. And the fact is, you know, they're, they're very accommodating because when they come here, like I remember the first time I got my period and they were here in Dubai, I actually was in the hall that time. I said, after they, after I finished my period, the first thing I told her, I'm never doing this here again. Today, you so know, they, they come accommodate here. your yeah. non-segregation now. Yeah, here, here, here they're pretty they okay. Here, they don't. But they're very clear. When you come to my house, you do what you want, which I think is a fair enough deal. I they mean, just tell us, don't let us know when you have your period. Yeah, here. don't. Ignorance is bliss. Bliss. So just don't let me know anything. If you remember in those days in schools, we would be shown a video clipping on 
about it and we would be given a carefree or a whisper free and i remember the walking napkins, the sanitary yeah. napkins and i would be walking and i was walking home and waving it from down you know saying mom i got this free and my mom said put it in your bag put it in your bag so when i walked up and then she realized she said she said you know i said they showed some video and it was very annoying and you know it was all jam and red and stuff like that she said it's not jam she said just wait for a couple of days we'll talk about it and then she told me i was like yuck so she told she showed me how am i supposed to use it how am i supposed to dispose it so it was pretty okay for me so i ensured the same thing you know i told i i tried to tell them i wanted to tell them much earlier but as usual school intervened and no school didn't intervene but you know he had the presentation in the auditorium which was huge you know the 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 teacher was talking and you know they showed a video and it was i mean you know we couldn't hear clearly because there's no mic i i think schools should make it more interesting you know where or it should be at least class wise instead of you know having an entire bunch of you know 150 200 students and explaining it to them it's very difficult besides you're more interested in talking to your friends and listening to the teacher that's what you do all day in school i think they don't even not forget making it interesting they don't tell them what they actually need to know what do they need to know i think they just need to know that they need not be worried they need not be ashamed that you know it's just a body function okay you feel good you know the unnecessary blood is out of your body so just to so the you don't soil your clothes you use a pad i mean it's just that you know you dispose it properly and you take care of your health because you're losing blood you may feel weak you may feel tired so you eat well some people don't feel tired they're just perfectly fine like i'm one of them i don't but some people do you know i think the main thing you need to tell them is don't worry it's okay it's perfectly fine you know this is you are a woman so this is a part of your growing up like you'll have your breasts you know this is just another thing you need to have like if you ask my brothers you know they they don't have a clue because you know they are completely left out of the picture so i think the education is should not be just for the women or for the girls i think the men need to be aware the boys need to be aware when we I, were in school we were actually talk about we were actually taught about the boys puberty as well i remember that being a slide i mean of course we didn't know anything but that there was also a slide but yeah i mean i agree you know boys need to be aware because it's very annoying when they crack those jokes what do you think needs to really change in terms of this conversation i think it's a well known secret <laughs> I I don't think that's right. Actually, it's just it's just known but nobody wants to talk about it. You know see what will happen I feel is when the entire family gets involved including the men and this then it becomes an actual celebration rather than saying it's a woman thing and let only the woman do it let only the woman handle it. Then you know that's when the segregation happens and that's when I feel the men are left out and they are unaware. So when they are unaware they don't care about it. you know given the way they are like even like how we have for childbirth these days we get the husband coming in and he actually sees his wife going through a lot of pain and he realizes it's not an easy process so something like that i think the taboo should be broken where why not the father speak to the child about it why should it only be a mother you know it's a normal body process or the parents can sit together and talk to you know the parents the child about it and the child feels comfortable not just talking to the mother about it even to the father about it i'll be very honest i'm not keen on the celebration <laughs> but i mean no no not because you know it's I'm, i'm not a very people person or whatever it's because i honestly don't find it a need to find the need to celebrate it i mean it's a body function it's supposed to happen between this and this age and it happens you move on in life 
maybe you know just do something for her get her something you know saying welcome to yeah you know a gift always makes the other person happy right i mean it's, no, it's no. kind of like i'm very happy with only yeah, a gift exactly. <laughs> like even that it could be any it could take any form yes but i think it should be done nicely is what i feel and together you know not just the woman when we come back we check back in on menstrupedia and the impact it's having on period awareness in india and a little project in australia Before we break, we have a small favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it if you could please give us a rating and take a couple of minutes to post a review. It helps us a lot as more people discover the show, which ultimately drives our purpose to bring you more of these stories. Hey, this is Shrag from Amaya Media, and we just wanted to take a few moments to say a heartfelt and a sincere thank you to all the men and women who are on the front lines today of ensuring the rest of us stay safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. All over the world our lives have been turned upside down but we're able to retain some semblance of sanity due to the men and women in healthcare those working in local businesses and deliveries and the men and women across all essential services including civil defense the police education the government and our friends in the media once again thank you for everything that you're doing from the team at Karma Sutra and Amaya Media Welcome back you're listening to Karma Sutra Chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Chirag Desai, and I'm Benita Paradwaj. In this episode, we're talking periods from a cultural standpoint. Before the break, we were in conversation with Gomati and Bandana Sitaraman, who live in Dubai but are originally from India, where in many communities it is not uncommon to isolate girls and women whilst they're menstruating. Needless to say, a lot of the stigma has to do with the ick factor around the topic, which continues, unfortunately, to fuel ignorance. and in a way keeps the fear factor alive and well indeed and menstrupedia has been doing some great work in helping facilitate healthier conversations between young girls and their parents but one of the impacts they've started to have is also indirectly educating young men to have healthier attitudes about periods you mentioned earlier that their story began while they were in university yes so as part of their design project they came up with a creative way to introduce girls families and schools to menstruation without feeling embarrassed our design brief was creating an educational tool to teach girls about menstruation so that was the uh, and we tried out we tried out games we tried out online games it did not work because that won't be an inclusive medium comic book works because worked because uh, then tohin was reading a lot about graphic novel and how the visual narrative has helped to tackle uh, challenging issues issues that people don't want to talk about it has kind of subtly changed the way people people want to talk about it and then empower them so uh, we made that we tested it with a lot of uh, tested it with uh, girls in different schools in ahmedabad in, uh, in mehsana also in rachi where aditi is from so all those places we tested it and uh, we found that kids as well as the parents were very comfortable uh, in talking about and most important thing is we saw that uh, while there were three four girls reading this thing there are there were also two three boys who were interested in finding out that what what is it that they are reading yeah what it's a it's a comic book what is written there and all of that so we realized that okay that's the power of it that it removes the taboo ness around this topic that hesitation around this topic to an extent that boys also feel like knowing about it so by 2011 they'd gotten married grabbed their savings and set up shop a year later in amdabad where menstrupedia now lives Now this was around the time that the country was stunned by the horrific Delhi gang rape that had made international headlines. Everybody was 
becoming more and more sensitive about women issues everybody was becoming more and more uh, you know proactive in in saying that hey we have to treat our women in a different way and menstruation being the very basic because if you come to think about it if a girl or a woman can't even talk about her natural biological process she, how is she ever going to talk about any violence that she faces so we are basically basically teaching our girls to see themselves as a as be ashamed of their bodies and then it has a ripple effect of gender based violence you know education is being affected we did crowdfunding for this we wanted to raise 4 lakhs to make the book that you see now uh, we ended up raising uh, 5 lakhs we had a menstrupedia blog where people would write about menstruation and it kind of a slowly it kind of started changing you know uh, seeing menstruation in a positive light um, then uh, pngs whisper came on board and then there had a campaign of touch the pickles पीरियड्स के दिनों में कहते हैं डोंट वेयर वाइट्स डोंट गो आउट डोंट प्ले डोंट टच द पिकल आई से गर्ल्स लेट्स ब्रेक द टैबू सो टच द पिकल इज बेसिकली इट्स अ वेरी पॉपुलर मिथ वेयर वेयर इट इज बिलीव दैट इफ यू टच अ पिकल ड्यूरिंग अ पीरियड्स द पिकल वुड गो बैड या क्वाइट बजार आई आई थिंक इट वाज इंडिपेंडेंटली हैपनिंग बट बिकॉज़ ऑफ मेंस्ट्रुपीडियाज प्रेजेंट वी वर एबल टू शो पीपल दैट हे इट कुड बी टॉक्ड इन अ पॉजिटिव वे एंड टू ब्रेक taboo it's in favor of everyone somehow menstrupedia what menstrupedia was able to do is that tell everybody that hey it's cool to talk about menstruation is all right we can talk about it we started receiving a lot of uh, emails from people from different parts of india that they would want to translate it in their language and be able to use it in their communities because we first of all we knew that if it has to go to the uh, rural region to remotest places in india it cannot be in english and hindi it has to be in all the regional languages i have to say their story is fantastic given how they're really trying to change mindsets and behaviors in a country that has such strong traditional values but i'm curious have they actually managed to win people over actually they've seen great adoption of the comic book into school curriculums so today it's available in 16 languages in more than 6000 schools across india wow they also partner directly with at least five state governments plus they're now shipping internationally so they have local translations available in china in bangladesh in nepal the philippines hungary and even uruguay in south america and the way they use instagram is also super creative in the way they sort of tackle all these mythbusters and engage with girls and women on introducing or managing periods they now also publish education videos on youtube which act as supporting material for the book for example the hello periods video which is available in 12 languages and has crossed a million views I want to also share a very interesting story with you, which happened here in Ahmedabad or uh, with Eklavya School. So this is way back, five five years back. They acquired some hundred books from us. Now they have developed, with the help of our book and Hello Periods, they have developed a program where they don't require anyone else to come and teach the girls, but those girls who got the Menstruator Comic Book first time five years back were in class seven. Now all these girls are in class twelfth. So their program is of one day where these 12 standard girls are teaching the 5 standard girls 6 standard 700 girls about periods and i really think that when it comes to uh, when it, if you want to make this knowledge mainstream it always has to be peer to peer learning like each one to teach one and these kind of small you know menstrual champions are being i don't know they have mushroomed in each and every corner of our country they say that you know men are supposed to say supposed to be Uh, in getting involved in it or not but they cannot separate themselves from 
these connections that they have with the female members of the society, right? In fact, this is something that we realized when we were crowdfunding and then we, uh, when we started selling the book, a huge proportion of uh, our contributors who financially contributed to our campaign were men. And I'm not saying just married men. They were, my, my batchmates from my college, they were men whom I have never met who are still students, who are still studying in college. They saved some pocket money. They contributed it. So we have made this movie, Padman, and you know, there is a kind of uh, menstrual revolution that is going in India. The movie Padman, Aditi alludes to, is inspired by the real-life story of Arunachalam Muruganantam from Coimbatore in southern India. He is credited with inventing a low-cost sanitary pad-making machine. And he's also been raising awareness about traditional unhygienic practices around menstruation in rural India. We are so thankful to him. The low-cost sanitary napkin-making pad process has been set. We need more innovators, more scientists. So can we, incre can we you know, um, work on increasing the quality of these pads? Maintaining that the cost, cost has. So there is a lot of innovation there. Even today, attitudes towards menstruation can vary around the world. From the seemingly innocuous delivery of sanitary napkins wrapped in newspapers or black opaque bags, so the contents are hidden to the disturbing extreme isolation that we spoke of at the start of the show, to the horrifying reality that a girl becomes a man's property when her first cycle begins. Yes, yeah, so uh, even in countries such as Australia and New Zealand, it, I still find it surprising that there is an element of secrecy around periods. That's Carol Morris from Sydney, Australia. She's a physiotherapist, mother to two young boys, and menstrual mentor at Lunette Menstrual Cups. She also co-founded the Sustainable Period Project, which provides schools with demo kits that teach girls how to manage their periods. What we did is we uh, started distributing these kits to all high schools. Now, we started that in 2016. And uh, in Term 4, which is December last year, we finished sending them to all the Australian and New Zealand high schools. And the feedback that we've received has been absolutely fantastic. So um, many of the teachers have said it's, it's giving uh, some really good conversations in the staff rooms. Uh, the teachers have, you know, even some of the teachers have been educated about what products are out there. And also a lot of the students, uh, when they open the Sustainable Period Project kits, they're really finding it quite fun and fascinating. So I'm curious, I mean, we've been talking about a shift uh, happening in certain urban parts of India, for example, where the attitudes towards managing periods is just about starting to change. Is the same thing happening in Australia? Yes. So over the last two or three years, social media movements such as hashtag end period shame and hashtag we bleed have opened up online conversations on this topic. Carol told me that she's witnessed firsthand how generational attitudes towards managing periods are also changing in Australia. We just want people to accept it's a natural process and just get over it. And this sort of uh, strong attitude has definitely seemed to uh, help end the period shaming, I guess, in Australia and New Zealand to a certain extent. Uh, saying that, you know, my my mum, she uh, pulled out some hideous belt with uh, different bits of uh, cloth material and showed my older sister. Uh, luckily, I wasn't subjected to this display. Uh, but my sister told me she she was shown this and it was all done in secret. And my sister was absolutely horrified by, you know, all these 
um, bits of rags and things that she was going to be told to use. And she actually thought that um, she wouldn't get her period because something so horrible wouldn't happen to her because she was you know, a good student and a good, you know, she was well behaved. So, um, yeah, almost from the start, that sort of secrecy and period shame um, was put into us, us girls. Uh, I'm from a family of five. Uh, three girls and two boys and certainly my brothers they used to um yeah if we were changing pads and things and they hear some rustling in the bathroom they'd often say oh what what are you doing and we'd be really quite embarrassed about the whole thing uh but i guess as we got older uh our attitudes and certainly because we um we are both in the medical field i'm a physiotherapist and elizabeth uh, my business partner she's a nurse and midwife uh, we really just thought, well, it's it's a natural process. It just needs to be treated like every other bodily function that's going on. Uh, but I guess um, also in our grandmother's days, they definitely would have had to, I guess, try and hide a lot of their menstruation or maybe just keep low key because the menstrual products, they really uh, just didn't keep a woman secure. Uh, they'd often be leaks or you'd have to make sure you're, you're close by water or a basin uh, just to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't get leaks or anything coming through your clothes. So definitely there has been a shift uh, from my mum's to my generation, uh, but we do have quite a way to go, I think, before it is just accepted as a perfectly normal, normal everyday thing for a woman to go through. Although she's observed that the hush-hush around menstruation has reduced, the next phase in their project is about getting women to consider a sustainable approach to managing their periods. Some of the girls do find, I guess, cloth pads or washing uh, things rather than throwing them in the bin, a um, bit of a ick or disgusting uh, factor still. So many of them would say that they'll still use disposables but change to the biodegradable ones, which break down quicker. Uh, but many girls are actually saying, look, I think we're going to either start mixing and matching. So using the reusables at home where they can wash it and feel comfortable. And then once they get used to that, they're going to start trying to start uh, you know, wearing them to school and in public. Uh, because it is really quite a mindset, you know, getting your head around um, a whole different approach to menstruation. Uh, so really, that's how uh, we started the Sustainable Period Project. So what the project has been doing is sending out resource kits to schools with products such as menstrual cups, all cotton pads, reusable cloth pads and period underpants that are compatible with different cultures, lifestyles and personal preferences. And while disposables still remain a popular choice among women, the project is starting to see more adoption of reusables as attitudes change. The Sustainable Period Project estimates that every primary school in Australia and New Zealand could have one of these demo kits by the end of 2025. I think the awareness is coming now that uh, up to 90% of uh, the conventional pads and tampons are made of plastic. So it's going to take you know, 300 to 500 years to decompose. So we have quite a big uh, war on waste movement going on at the moment in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, so a lot of women are switching to the cotton pads and tampons, which only take six to 12 months to break down. Uh, so I guess this is probably the first uh, shift that we're seeing uh, with the, the trends for menstrual products. Uh, definitely, we are getting more and more using reusables 
uh, if they're a tampon user, they tend to switch to the menstrual cup. And if they've always been a pad user, they're tending to go towards the uh, period underpants, such as the body body period underpants. Uh, cloth pads, not super popular. Uh, they, they are sometimes used as a backup uh, with a menstrual cup. But yeah, definitely it's the menstrual cup and uh, the period underpants that are I guess the main product choice here if someone's going to choose a sustainable or reusable option. This episode of Karama Sutra was hosted by me, Vinita Bhardwaj, and produced by me and Chirag Desai, who also edits the show. With support from Abhishek Venkatasubramanian, Sukena Kazmi, and Zainab Ujeni. Special thanks to Aditi Gupta, Tuhin Paul, Gomathi Sitaraman, Vandana Sitaraman, and Carol Morris. You can find all the links to their work and the original story about Kuvalapuram's guest house in our show notes. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode. You can connect with us on Instagram at karama.sutra. Karama Sutra is part of the Amaya Media Network. You can find all of our episodes for free in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Angami, and now Deezer as well. We hope to be back for the 8th of May but we may adapt our calendar depending on official directives in light of the precautions enforced due to the novel coronavirus. Until then, to all of you out there, we wish you good health. Stay safe.